in the hotel where the ball was. They had this thing. There you are. You can wow. expand it. Wow, you look amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't know, would you? That is amazing. Like a James Bond sort of character. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow, Harry. Yeah. When we do episode two, can you wear, can you wear this? <laughs> I can scrub up, can yeah, I? Yeah, we, we have the artist and then we have the dinner party guest. Yeah. The only trouble is that the shirt was a bit big for me, so um, it looked a bit odd. But... Hello, and welcome to episode one of Evolutions. Today we'll be talking to the artist Harry Holland about his life and his work. I've always been dressed by my women. Right. Um, I went out with a fashion student once. That was that was wearing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no pun. Um, and my wife dresses me. Yeah. No, I've never. I've, uh, the only the only time I've ever made decisions about my clothes, they've been pretty disastrous. Okay. Really usually involving large amounts of money mm. for, uh, for little effect. You know? uh, I, I remember I went to... Uh, I bought some trousers once uh, for 90 quid. 90, I thought, what the fuck am I doing spending 90 quid on a pair of trousers? trousers yeah. And I, I, I still haven't lived it down. <laughs> ev- everything I wear is from... Well, it used to be jumble sales. Right. Then it's boot sales, mm. and now it's charity shops. You know? um, and almost everything we've got comes from that, because she's tight as a fish's arse, you see. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, I, I wear... She, she I mean, bless her, she, the only thing she buys new are shoes. Oh, excuse me. So it's a bit... Um, <coughs> oh, yeah. Yes, I did. Is Jane there? Yeah. Yeah, excuse me. That's OK, no problem. Yeah. Hi, Jane. Um, in case you go off half-cocked, I've heard from Maggie's, and it, it, it fetched five grand, which is good. Yeah. OK. Yes. There you, there you are. <laughs> All right. See ya. Right. Um, <clears throat> I'll turn. This, shall I turn this off? Yeah, why not? I'm, I'm sort of happy that sometimes that they go off. There's something quite nice about listening to a podcast where mm. unexpected things happen. Yes, you mean it adds credibility? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've, I've, I've never known what to wear um, unless, as I say, there's a conventional base to it. I started off working in an office. That was my first job after school. And you had, you, you had to wear a suit. Mm-hmm. And it had to be... Uh, what's the word? It had to be sombre. Okay. You, know, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't wear anything loud. Miserable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, I, I was quite happy to do all that sort of thing. Right, OK. Yeah. Um, what were you doing? I was a clerk in a, a marine insurance company. 
Right. Yeah. Um, I I took eight GCSEs, and I got one. Right. Now, in between taking the eight GCSEs, leaving school and starting a job, when my I had actually started the job when my um, results came through, and they should have thrown me out. Right. Because right? you know I was expected expecting to get some at least but in the meantime I, I'd actually done a bit because I was a very good runner <clears throat> and in between that time I'd actually run for the company because the, the chief of the company was a very keen athletics fan so I managed to keep I kept the job you know right. because I could run like fuck you know <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that lasted two years and it was, it was, it's fucking women. It's always women who get you into things, but they get you out of things as well, but they get you into things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I met another girl and she, she, she got me out of it. How? Well, simply by, by, by sort of showing me that there was another life that you could, okay. you could actually have simply by saying, fuck it, I'm not going to do this anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Which never, that sort of thing never occurs to me, you know, that you can actually do things like that. I was, um, I mean, it does now, I mean, but, but that's, that's called experience. Yeah. Uh, then you, <clears throat> you don't have any idea what you're capable of, really, uh, unless somebody actually demonstrates it to you or, or somebody acts as, a, as an example. Being an arrogant fucker, you, I don't do. <laughs> I don't do examples, exemplars. You know, just. Uh, so I've been, been very lucky in the people I've come I've, I've, uh, that I've come across. So, like guardian angels, then romantic sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, particularly the one I've got now, because um, she she was the one who sent me to art school. Right. Yeah. Uh, but largely on the basis that I was fuck all good for anything else, you know. It was been quite obvious that I wasn't going to get a proper job because I, I was incapable of uh, doing most things. The only thing I was interested in was uh, was drawing and painting. So, so you were a clerk at. Um, <coughs> I was a clerk in, 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 in Marine Insurance Office. Mm-hmm. And then what what happened? How did this come about? Oh bloody hell! Um, I did quite a lot of things actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I got married. Yeah. Um, I think I think I got married because she wanted to get married. <laughs> right. I, I, I wasn't. Um, I do remember asking her, but I I, I, I don't remember why. You know, it, it was yeah. just one of those things that you know, it felt uh, like the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. I mean, but then you know, yes, it did. Because in in those days, don't forget. Um, very unlike today, if you weren't married, you weren't really treated seriously by other people. Um, if you didn't have, you know, children and so on, mm-hmm. you weren't you weren't really a person. Right. <coughs> you were you were a young, um, good for nothing or whatever. <laughs> uh, so there was, that 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 was quite a strong, um, had quite a strong bearing on how most people um, 
looked at marriage. It's very different from, t- from today. Was there a cut-off point then? Was there a point at which you were seen as out to seed, effectively? Sort of beyond, seen, as, out, seen as out to seed, or you know, beyond hope, really? Was there a cut-off well, point? Well, for women, uh, certainly, yes. I mean, uh, 30-year-old women mm. who were unmarried, were not, they were quite rare, right. and they were usually seen as spinsters. You know? um, even at 25, people w- would ask, why aren't you married? You know, uh, with men, <clears throat> if you were thirty, you were considered uh, well, a bit of either some, some, some almost a dirty old man. You know, because mm-hmm. you, you weren't accepting your social responsibilities by. You know, wow. yeah. It was very much um, what you did. You you left school. You got the best job you could, which you expected to stay in. Mm-hmm. Forever, and uh, <coughs> unless you were something like a, a, you know, a scientist or, you know, or a sportsman or whatever, mm-hmm. you you weren't you weren't going to develop. Basically, you 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 might move up some sort of hierarchical chain, but right. that was it. Um, and don't forget, there were still there were still towns and cities in uh, in the UK where you were expected. You you had every expectation of getting the same job your father had. Um, What began to change things was first the economics. Um, After the boom years stopped um, and it became much more difficult to sell British products, uh, the... Unions and unions and management were at war with each other. Mm-hmm. Unions saw them, union management leaders saw themselves as political animals, um, and management saw themselves as some sort of well, yeah, kind of privileged elite, mm-hmm. and uh, they were continually at war with each other, um, using basically using the, the the workforce as a as a kind of plaything, you know, between them. And uh, it, it was, it began to break up this idea that you had a place in the world. Mm-hmm. You know? I, th- I thought I was going to be a pop musician <laughs> for a while. But then everybody did, everybody had a guitar, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Would that have been a, a solo singer or a boy band? Yes, or, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I had friends, I, uh, I'd, um, um, Eric Clapton was a mate of mine. Right. And uh, he was my girlfriend went to Kingston Art School. He went to Kingston Art School, and uh, God, he was good. He was. I, I was crap. I was lousy, <laughs> but he he was very very good. And uh, around about uh, south southwest London at that time, <clears throat> from Ealing through right the way through to Richmond and so on, there were a whole load of groups, um, all based around. Uh, um, a previous generation that were still that were doing people like Alexis Corner, Squirrel Davis, and so on. They were all um, <coughs> sort of growing up into into musicians of their own, you know, based on a whole range of musicians that had come into the country uh, doing tours. Um, oh yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, mean, I went to see Lonnie Johnson. Mm-hmm. in Croydon and uh, 
Howling Wolf. Well, so saw all of them in the end. You know. Do you still listen to that now? Oh yeah. yeah. Do you listen while you paint? Yeah, I listen to classical music uh, as much as as much as that. But um, uh, yes, I still I still listen to those people. It's yeah, it's good. So to take you to take you right back right back mm. to the beginning in Glasgow. Mm. How how long were you there for? Uh, well, <clears throat> don't forget. <clears throat> Uh, I was born in 1942. Mm-hmm. The Germans were trying to kill me until I, until, until I was three. Right? Can you remember any of that? Yeah. Um, because I was born in Glasgow, mm-hmm. but my parents, uh, my father, um, had been trying to get into... Um, my father had been in the Spanish Civil War and he'd been an officer in the... Um, I can't remember where he'd been made. He made a field office, given a field commission, and he wanted a commission in the British Army because he didn't. Uh, he was a communist. He didn't see why he shouldn't use his experience. You know, um, you're right there, Simon. He's looking at his watch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, he he applied for a commi- he applied for a commission in the British Army. While he was waiting, he did what, what he did best, apparently, which was small civil engineering stuff, and he was working. He helped, he helped clean up Coventry, for example, after the first raid. Anyway, he started building aircraft hangars for the RAF. He was a, he was a, he was a ganger. He, he organised gangs of workmen. And um, he was killed on, on one of these. Uh, he fell off it, basically, killed. And my mother took up uh, fairly quickly took up with somebody else. I won't go into all that. Um, the, they moved down, or my mother moved down to, to be with a new man because she became pregnant very quickly. Okay. So we ended up towards the end of the war in Clapham. Right? I remember the street and the house in Clapham. I couldn't have been, I was three couldn't have been more than that. Yeah. And I do remember being under a table in, in, in one of the rooms and that my two parents, my mother and stepfather, were, look, were look, leaning out the window saying, there's, there's one, there it is, there it is. And, they were, and I heard this... I remember the sound. It's a doodlebug. A doodlebug, yeah. And, um, and my mother looked back and said... Because I remember having a funny taste in my mouth. Mm. And she looked back and she said, oh, he's got the... And I don't remember, I don't know what she said, but I've been, I've been eating this stuff, <laughs> whatever it was. Mm. You know? So they kind of pulled me out and wiped me off and, and so on. And that, that was one of the early war experiences. Most, most of the other memories are from just after the war. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I remember the first time my mother wore nylons after the war. I remember feeling her legs. I mean, I was, you know, whatever I was, four, five, you know. And I remember the feel of her legs, you know, and the, and the, the, black, the black mark at the back. Because I, d- I do remember <coughs> her painting stuff on her legs and then her sister painting a black line down the back of her leg to pretend it was a stocking, you know. Uh, oh, dear. 
<laughs> how did you, can you remember how you felt, that, that sensation? Because that, obviously there was a curiosity about that. I remember touching things, mm. yeah. Um, uh, that, that, feeling my mother's leg was one of the first things. Yeah. Another thing I felt, remember was <clears throat> my stepfather, like most men, he had short back and sides. Mm -hmm. And I ran, ran my fingers up, up, his, up his hair at the back like that. And that was a very peculiar feeling as well. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't, it was, it was almost mechanical. It, it, it wasn't um, animal. Yeah. It, it was, you know. And I remember looking, because it was, he'd obviously just had it cut. You know, and it was, it was perfectly rounded and fitting and stuff like that. And the hairs went from nothing to, you know, um, you know, whatever it was, a quarter of an inch or something. Mm -hmm. And you could do that. And again, I, I couldn't have been, because I think that was at Clapham. I couldn't have been more than three. I remember gas mantles. You don't know anything about gas mantles, do you? No. Nope. Homes were lit, not by electricity, but by gas. And you had to have a mantle to do it, which was a, a little ceramic bulb, basically. And uh, the gas flowed through this thing, you lit it, and it heated up uh, to, a very bright, to a very bright light. You know? And that's how homes were lit. Well, you know? Probably really dangerous, though. Oh, oh yeah. 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 There wasn't an awful lot of, um, wasn't an awful lot of fires, because people were, were careful. Yeah, especially yeah. you had to be really careful with gas yeah. around in the house yeah. like that. Yeah. So that curiosity that you had for... For texture mm. and is that something that continued through your teenage years is that something that remained with you um <clears throat> no not 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 specifically right i don't i don't think uh, that is I do, as a special mm. thing uh it does now um, yeah because i i like um i like the idea of uh in what I'm doing, making subtle differences in texture okay. um, apparent. Yeah. Um, the big textures, I'm not, not that interested in, really. You know, it seems a bit obvious to me. Mm. Yeah, but I, yeah, being a traditionalist, <clears throat> and, and I actually believe in, in, in the richness of the tradition that I'm in, uh, the, the more you know about it, mm -hmm. the richer your experience of it is. Um, uh, we live in a world where images are, you know, part of very much a part of everyday life. Sure. And they don't have to be read; they have to be received. Um, and the images have to tell you things. Mm -hmm. you know, what something looks like. What you know, what it what colour it was, and all that sort of stuff. That's not how I see images. Uh, I see images as things that you actually investigate, that you, you look at um, with an eye that asks questions okay. about uh, what, what's that doing behind that, what, what, what's that doing next to that. Is there, is there a significance in, in the closeness of that to that and so on? Most of the time, in, in ordinary photography, you know, the answer is no. But if you look at, <clears throat> you look at good photographers, mm -hmm. like August Sander, for example, um, 
or Cartier-Bresson, you know, you know, people who actually use photography to say something. It's, it's worth spending time looking. You know. And with paintings, of course, um, where you have this other dimension of the, the formation of the image, uh, you know it's not, it's not instant, and you know it's artificial. The artificiality of it adds a whole new looking experience, a whole new, um, not just a reason for looking, but it, it, it actually adds, the making of something actually adds um, a sub or super narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that choice of, a lot of your work, there's that element of sort of almost photorealism about it. Mm. So in terms of that versus a photograph, mm. What do you th- see as the difference between? Them? Well, usually, usually in the narrative, right? Okay. Um, <clears throat> because there, there are lots of things, uh, certainly some of the things that I do that, that actually couldn't exist uh, in, right. in the real world, or, or if they did, they, you know, they'd, you'd, you'd be hard put to, to to make them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, the other thing is, as I said, you. I'm not interested in the big differences in, in texture, uh, but I am interested in, in very small and subtle differences in texture. And if, <clears throat> with a lot of my paintings, you know, uh, it's a bit depressing. Somebody says, oh, it looks just like a real photo, you know. And all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but actually, if you look at them, mm. you, know, um, you, you, you start to see that there are workings on the surfaces and there are... Um, Kind of machinations of the form, for example, uh, which are really playing with what you find, mm-hmm. uh, what the thing looks like, rather than you know, uh, rather than simply depicting. Did you experiment with photography at college as an alternative, or, no. or, or was it always about? Painting? No, I, I didn't. Um, <clears throat> I didn't use photography for a long time. Uh, I, I had a pop period, right? Yeah, uh, when, like everybody else, you just you know you just used other people's photographs, and like an Andy Warhol, Roy sort, Lynch of, and sort of thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, all, all, all the yeah, all the usual guys, Jasper Johns, and mm. you know all that sort of thing. Um, Robert Rauschenberg was a particular favourite of mine, um, and. It, it, they they were in the air. They were, you know, they, they said they belonged to everybody. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that would horrify people today. With, you know, because <laughs> we we have laws to stop that sort of thing. You know, uh, but yes, we, we used all that. But then <clears throat> uh, two thing two things happened really. One was. Um, I started looking at uh, people like Degas and how they use photographs. And the other thing is, I, I read a book by a man called Max Derner, uh, which is basically it, it's how to, it, about painting and uh, how you use paint <coughs> to create volume. An atmosphere um, 
over and above a simple depiction of something. Uh, and how, basically, it's, it's how the old masters made paintings. Mm-hmm. You know? And specifically how you use lead white to create some of the, some of the effects uh, that they did. Effects of, of, of light, uh, light and shade, effects of uh, texture, and so on. But more importantly, effects of form and, and uh, effects of character. Yeah. Uh, I remember, this isn't in Max Derner, but I remember looking at um, Velasquez's portrait of Philip, I think it's Philip IV, in, in the uh, National Gallery in London. And it's the paint. You can see the you can see the skull underneath. You know the the the, the flesh hangs on this structure. It's such a clever piece of painting. You know, it, well, it's very very beautiful. And I began to learn about it. I mean, I've been teaching at art school for some time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't forget. <laughs> uh, this, the, all this was quite revelatory to me, because um, you don't get you don't get taught that sort of thing at art school. Um, you get you get provided with opportunities at art school. Sure. You, you don't really get taught very much. Um, even then, it's, I understand it's worse now, but you know. Anyway. Uh, other influences now. Then, do, do you look at things even now and, and see elements of things that you like to emulate or that inspire oh, you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, there are uh, coming across artists all the time who I think, oh, that guy's got something. You, you, you know, I try and steal as much as I can from everybody. <laughs> you know, well, um, you, you don't. Um, I enjoy being in the tradition that I'm in. And the tradition, it's a very big, very rich tradition. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm a part of the audience as well as, as, as well as part of the, you know. In fact, I, I think most of the time I think I'm better off as an audience mm-hmm. than, you know, a receptor of these things. There's some very good painting going on, actually. Yeah? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's not, um, it's not, what's the word? You have to, you really have to pay attention uh, to get anything out of it. You, you can't just look at something. I went to the V&A a, a, a while ago for the first time for a long time. And um, I shouldn't have been surprised really, but, but I was. Uh, nearly everybody there was, was standing in front of things, taking selfies of themselves with, with these things, you see. And I thought, why would you do that? I mean, I spent a lot of time in the V&A as a, as a student and after <clears throat> looking at these, these things and um, wondering how they were made, why they were made, given one reason why they were made was there any other reason they were made you know in other words did the artist add anything on to what the 
yeah, uh, what the patron wanted and all, all yes. this, because all these are questions which you've got to ask if you if you're looking at uh, at something. And uh, if if it was made, was it made with a with a hand which was more determined to um, to tell the story or to fulfil the commission? Do you know what I mean? In other words, it's. Yeah. You know, are we talking sort of somebody doing doing a professional job and or doing doing it for love or whatever you know um, how how sexy was something mm -hmm. for example how um, <clears throat> how unsexy was something you know all, all these questions and and you know things well all the museums in the world have all, have all got different characters and you you know they all throw up um, the, the interests of the of the people who put put the work in there. So, um, what was I saying? We're talking about um, people taking selfies. Mm. Um, oh yes. Yeah, so, uh, anyway, I went and uh, <clears throat> and I, I thought, well, what the fuck's going on here? You know, they're not actually looking at the things. Uh, and some of the things that had been there since I since I used to go. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, so I, I spoke to one of the wardens. I said, they, they're allowed to do that. You know? He said, oh, well, we tried to stop them, but, you know, he said, it's just a fucking losing battle, mate. You know, we just, we just so, get it. And I said, they're not getting, they're not looking at it. He said, no, no, don't, don't, nobody looks at anything these days. You know? And um, I thought that was... Um, well, he explained a lot, actually. He explained a lot about how people are looking at some of the paintings that are made today and how they, <clears throat> how, why they regard some paintings highly mm -hmm. and why they don't regard other paintings highly. I know, I know about the effect that the art market has on uh, what's seen in museums. I, I know about that. And that there is a, a degree of corruption involved. In, in all of that, but he doesn't explain why somebody who, in the normal course of affairs, you know, no, normal course of business, isn't isn't affected by, you know, the art market and, and so on, um, looks at something more as more as a trophy, yeah, as an object, yeah, you know, than than as something to be actually looked at and valued. Do you think do you think artists like Banksy influenced that that mentality, or do you well, I got a lot. I actually, no. I, I think I've got a lot of time for Banksy, right? Actually, because I think he's one of the few people who actually does make things you have to think about, mm -hmm. and um, he, he's he's actually he's one of the few artists who are genuinely witty uh, around. No, I, I was thinking more of things like um, a guy Basquiat. Okay. You know the, uh, um, you know, this, this American guy. Um, I mean, you know, there's a whole parade of them. I can't remember the names. People like Jeff Koons, maybe. Jeff Koons is 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 an example. Uh, but again, you know, a little bit of wit. Yeah. Involved, you know, and so on. Um, just, I was thinking more of people like Damien Hirst, actually. Okay. You know. And um, Tracy Emin, you know, the British, don't, don't, we don't want to blame the Americans for everything. <laughs> you know. um, 
they don't um, they don't offer anything other than than a representation of the thing mm-hmm. you know the thing and pointing at it i mean this is marshall duchamp pointed this out ages ago you know put something in a gallery and it becomes art you know? well actually it doesn't you know? put something in a gallery and it means you've put something in a gallery and you can have a de- you can have a debate um, about what is art but it's not a very interesting debate was that the guy recently who um, gaffer taped a banana to a wall yeah, well, in a gallery yeah. and it's 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 stunt it's performing stunts. Yeah. It's basically it's 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 a form of window dressing. Now there's nothing wrong with these. I mean this is entertainment, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean this guy nailed his scrotum to something in Moscow or whatever, you know. Um, and it, it, <laughs> it wouldn't entertain me, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it, it it's it's an aspect of. Uh, of things that, you know, somebody wants to do that and other people find it funny, that's great. I, I haven't got a problem with it. But if you... But, but I know that the... But the, if you look at... If you look at a painting like... Um, the Flaying of Marcius by Titian, um, you can't look at that and not have to compete, have to have find that, and not find that your intellect is competing with your emotion mm-hmm. for ascendancy as to what this thing is saying to you. you know? And that in itself is a narrative that you don't come across very often in the, you know, because in the normal course of your daily life, you don't reflect on things like that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you don't you don't reflect on how um, powerful forces can can actually appear jealous mm. um, from our perspective mm. um, and whether they are actually jealous or whether we're talking blind chance. If it's blind chance, you've got a real problem about you know how how many people are subject to this sort of thing yeah. in blind chance in in the course of their lives. You know, I mean, it, it throws up things like if there is a god, mm-hmm. how on earth can he allow things like that to happen? You know, um, well, the flame of Marcius tells you because he's jealous. Mm-hmm. He's jealous that human beings have got this yeah you know they've got actual facts around them you know. and what's more they've got something to say about those facts yeah. anyway. when you were that teenager assuming you were a teenager back in the um you know the um yeah the, the marine insurance office uh, you, yeah i was were eight, you, 18 were yeah. you sneaking out at lunch breaks to go to art galleries was art no, part of no, your no, life no, at no, that point no no, no? Although I was drawing all the time, right? Okay. Uh, I, I'd never, never, ever stopped drawing. Um, sometimes more than others, um, but no, I, I would, I would make cartoons of people. I, I would. Um, I loved the whole thing about aeroplanes. I was drawing aeroplanes and, and so on. Um, I'd never been anywhere near an aeroplane actually, but uh, you know, drawing. Because Britain then was, 
it was a very different place from what it was today. We were um, we were world leaders in aviation, for example. You know, we held um, all sorts of records. Uh, uh, we the first you know first jetliner, first you know first Delta wing uh, bomber, all all sorts of things. You know, we were technologically right up there. Mm. Um, that's all gone. You know. We're actually depending on the bloody Chinese now to, uh, you know, to give us our telephones for Christ's sake. And it's not you know. anyway. Um, <laughs> so, so the person who was drawing, how did that person who was drawing become the person who went to art college? Well, um, I hadn't realised that I could actually go to art college. Right? Um, it, 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 it never occurred to me. Uh, nobody in my family had ever done anything like that, you know, so it, it, it didn't, didn't even think about it. As I say, my first job, was my mother basically uh, checked out in the newspaper jobs and, you know, she found me this job and sent, bought me a suit and sent me off, you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Eventually, I met this girl who, who you know, and she was a bit, she was a bit of a hippie, you know, and uh, she she was at Kingston she was at Kingston Art School doing fashion, and uh, I met people who I'd actually been at school with, mm -hmm. you know, and and they they were there. I thought, well, fucking hell, how they you know, how did they get there? And I you know, uh, anyway, um, gradually came round that. Uh, I'd received, I hadn't got the education that I needed and you know, I twigged to that. So I went to the Ballaman Tooting College of Commerce. Uh, didn't think about art, I thought, just thought education. Mm -hmm. Ballaman Tooting College of Commerce and I did um, economics, uh, British Constitution, English. This is all at A level. You know? wow. um, and there I met, I met a girl. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> oh no, wait a minute! You know, before that, I tried art. Yeah, I did try art school. That's right. The year before, I tried art school, mm -hmm. but I didn't have any money, right. so, so I lasted. I lasted a term basically. And they asked me for the fees, so that was me fucked. You know? <laughs> so this was, this was at Wimbledon Art School, and. Um, so anyway, I decided I'd better get, get get some education. So I managed to get a grant to do, uh, as I say, economics, the British Constitution, English, and so on at the Ballaman Tudor College of Commerce. I met this girl. <clears throat> um, and and uh, went out with her for a bit. Gradually became realised I didn't want to do that, and then. Uh, a girl of my, uh, a girlfriend of my best friend, uh, who I met there. Um, I met her, and um, in, in normal course of events, that she became my my present wife. Right? This was in nineteen nineteen sixty two, something like that. Your best friend's girlfriend. Yeah. She wasn't really his girlfriend. She was just going out with him or, or whatever. Anyway, um, 
we got married and I, um, I got a job. I was working in an office uh, and then I was working on the parks, digging holes and catching flashes. How old were you? Uh, 20, 21, okay. 22, yeah. Uh, and all, all my friends and now they, they, oh, people that I knew, they'd, they'd done their, finished their courses, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they were now sort of teaching in, in various things. And anyway, my wife realised that, you know, I wasn't going to amount to anything, unlike, because she thought I was going to be a pop star, you know. <laughs> and uh, she realised I wasn't going to amount to anything, so... Um, and realised that the only, the only thing I was ever any good at and the only thing I was ever any interested in, really, was drawing and, and, and painting. And... Um, so she, she did the research, realised that um, if I could get into art college, that the Greater London Council had very generous um, maintenance fees. You know, it was 11 quid a week, actually, which was a, a working man's wages. Mm-hmm. So she fixed all that up, and off I went, and I got into art college. Um, I lied about the number of GCSEs I had, <laughs> or GCEs they were then. And, um, yeah, that was it. So it was a, a woman again that, that oh, yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah influenced. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that sort of um, relationship you've had with women who have helped guide mm. your path, do you think that's part of the reason that you've sort of chosen them as a subject? Is that... No, 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 it's, it's interesting. I, I just like looking, like looking at women, you know. Right. But, and I, I've come across men as well who have been influential and helpful. Sure. You know. Just that I don't live with them. Right, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. So if, um, if you were to speak directly to an, an aspiring artist mm. now, what would be the one thing that you'd say to them? That one sort of, is there a gem of wisdom that you could pass on? Is there something? Well, pe- people are so very different, you know, right. so it, it, it would be difficult to give me advice. But I, I can tell you the advice I was given by one of my teachers at, uh, at St Martin's. <clears throat> I was uh, working, I mean, everybody was doing all these kind of abstract stuff, and, you know, but, I, you know, I, I just wanted to do what things looked like, you know. Mm. So, anyway, he was an old guy, and nobody really ever paid any attention to him. You know. So uh, anyway, he sat down next to me, and I what the fuck does he want? You know. And he said, um, he said I, I can see you've got something. You go, you, you'll go somewhere, you know. I've only got one piece of advice for somebody like you. I said, what's that? He said, marry a rich woman. Because it's going to take time. It'll be, you know, you've got another ten years before you actually start to find your voice properly. So, and uh, he said, find a rich woman. So you don't have to bother with that. All that stuff. I said, I'm already married. And he said, is she rich? I said, no. <laughs> Fucker never spoke to me again. You know, I mean, he just he went, he went off, and that was it. Um, as a piece of advice, though, it wasn't bad mm. you know, because you 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 will have to it, 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 things are different today because there are all sorts of awards and grants and so on, but none of them are a sufficiency. You know, uh, I was lucky because I had I developed skills. 
Um, I could use them to make illustrations, which was still quite common uh, as a as a as a means of making a living. Then, mm-hmm. you know, because there were plenty of magazines, and book covers, and uh, record covers, all sorts of things. They, they all used illustrators. So I did. I, I became an illustrator when when I left college. I became an illustrator for a while and did quite a lot of uh, stuff for books and so on. And um, then I got a job as a teacher uh, in Coventry uh, Art School. Um, so we moved, we moved to the Midlands. And, um, and then, in a small way, started selling paintings. Mm-hmm. And then I got a job in Cardiff, um, with the people who'd actually I'd been with at Coventry, they moved, they moved to Cardiff, and I, I kind of came down with them. Um, I was a, I was I was a sort of torpedo, I think. I was brought, brought in as a so a rough, <laughs> to duff up duff up the difficult students, you know. Uh, anyway, um, th- so we moved to Cardiff, which I've never regretted, by the way. Um, <clears throat> it was. Uh, this was 19... Well, we moved to Cardiff in 1973 and I spent five years teaching at the art college. And over that five years, I, I developed a, a way of doing things. The, the guy was quite right. It, it, took me th- it, it took me to mid-30s before I really right. uh, was able to. This was after I'd, I'd read... Um, um, uh, what's his name? Um, the book I mentioned before. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I got an opportunity to uh, sell paintings and took it in, in London. And uh, that extended to selling paintings um, in Belgium, in Italy, and so on. And, um, yeah. So in the early stages... Really, I suppose the advice then would be be prepared to diversify. Well, yes. Um, unless you actually start playing playing the art market, skills on their own aren't enough. Right? Uh, today, celebrity and publicity. Uh, matter a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody, it, it seems to me, nobody's going to look at a painting and say, "Oh, that's great! I, I want one." You know, because the, the people now look at a much larger world. You know, they know what's fashionable. They know who, who's doing what. You know, and, and so on. So, um, I don't know how people get by today but they do there are, there are artists that are, there are young people I know that are passionate about what they do they're not, they're not making much money mm-hmm. uh, and making very little out of what they do but usually depending on you know family, friends and whatever they get by the only advice I've got is because people people's circumstances are different so they're diff- different you know, 
is that if you feel if you feel strongly enough keep doing it um, because eventually you know something arises yeah. but it that's very difficult advice to receive actually mm -hmm. you know because uh, it doesn't it doesn't tell you how to how to get money yeah. it doesn't tell you how to um, how to behave really uh, it just tells you you know all I'm, all I can say is that if you think you if you think well let me put it like this if the pleasure you get from from making not the pleasure the satisfaction and the interest you get from making outweighs the discomforts then do it um, if it doesn't you know then then don't don't stick at it because because you think you ought to uh, and don't stick at it because somebody else tells you to. Stick at it because in yourself you know that it's the only thing you can do. Really. Yeah. Harry Holland, hmm. thank you very much. You're welcome. Lovely to meet you. Yeah, and you. Oh, that's it, isn't it?